The war between King Ingvar's Obsidian army and Lord Kazai's Onyx army is on the horizon. Lord Kazai's biggest advantage is that ever since he entered the Onyx army, he was surrounded by leaders. His rule was inevitable, and with his experience came near-endless knowledge when it came to wartime strategy, perfectly crafted plans, and narrowing the landscape to ensure Onyx has more advantageous fights will be key to Lord Kazai defeating King Ingvar. As for King Ingvar, he plans to win the war in the same way he does all things. Brute force. The amount of people in King Ingvar's army dwarfs Lord Kazai's to the point where Ingvar could potentially attack multiple parts of Onyx and have knights left over. On top of that, Ingvar was one of the biggest and meanest fighters on Fenrir, and had been for years. Everyone who knew of the Obsidian army, even before Ingvar was king, knew that he was a major threat not to be trifled with. The self-proclaimed God King's reign of terror began shortly after the battle he had with Lord Kazai on the top of Mount Shair. In Genin, he denounced Enror, the wolf god of war and battle, declaring himself the new god. If you were of similar mind to the God King, then there was no question what side of this war you wanted to be on. This spelled trouble for Lord Kazai as some of the strongest fighters on Fenrir began to flock to King Ingvar. All these warriors, comfortable with shedding blood and taking lives, was not enough for King Ingvar. He wanted more. Needed more. He wanted to make sure that when the war started, he would bury his rival once and for all. Time was running out, and the stage was set for the big obsidian onyx war. So if Ingvar wanted to extend his ranks, then he had to act quickly. He traveled with some members of his army from town to town in search of warriors. Despite being the one to welcome new recruits, King Ingvar traveled with Dida, a woman he had grown to respect in important war matters such as these. Filling his army with men and women like him meant a lack of finesse when dealing with locals. A void that Dida filled easily with her kind personality. As they traveled from place to place in Obsidian, they heard many rumors of warriors they had missed in their original recruitment process. The first stop was a lesser-known area southwest of Triton, an easy-to-miss location for sure, and supposedly a home for swords. When King Ingvar and his knights arrived, they found small huts used as homes, but no people to be found. The belongings remained, but it looked as if they hadn't been touched for weeks. All of the people had gone, but to where? King Ingvar didn't have time to search for these people, nor did he have the patience, so they went to the next place Dida heard rumors about. A similar spot was just north of Reddick, a small nameless village Ingvar didn't even know existed. Dida had heard that a man living there named Innocent was similar in fighting style to the Onyx Samurai, but a savage fighter, one that King Ingvar himself would absolutely respect. They were told he wore a necklace of the wolf god, Enror, but much like Ingvar himself, he had disrespected the god of war and battle. He marked the eyes of the beast on the necklace to show his distaste for Enror's apparent abandoning of Obsidian's people. It didn't take long for Dita to gain the information that Innocent had been given a job to hunt a monster. Ironically, this job took Innocent back to where Ingvar's first step as king began. It took him to Genin. Returning to the town formerly known for worshipping Enror, Ingvar and his army noticed that the people there had rebuilt the town. 
only to have it ravaged again. The town was quiet and empty when they got there. Trails of blood stained the ground from building to building, but the most concerning part was that some of the buildings were reduced to rubble, and one particular building far in the back was missing a huge piece. It didn't look like the building had been broken or began to fall apart from the assault. It looked as if something had taken a bite out of it. King Ingvar and his army approached the building. His warriors were at the ready, but Ingvar signaled for them to hold their ground. A fresh trail of blood covered the steps in front of him as he walked up them and entered the building, alone. Inside was a similar display as outside with tables and walls torn asunder. Men and women were on the floor dead and covered in their own blood. One man was missing the entire top half of his body with a similar bite mark as the building. As King Ingvar entered the room, he passed by the body of a woman who was fleeing for her life. She was frozen in place by ice, her statuesque body on display, a warning from the monster that did this. Warnings, however, are for those who can feel fear, an emotion Ingvar can say he's never experienced. The God King walked slowly through the room, admiring the work of the monster. His hand rested comfortably on the handle of his katana, Cold Knight, an appropriate name for a weapon in his current circumstance. He moved his head from side to side, cracking his neck as he entered, preparing himself for a fight. In the final room of the building, he found something unexpected. A woman. Her skin was like the ice around them. Her hair was long and blue with a greenish tint. She held a wolf necklace in the palm of her right hand and picked at it with nails on her left. It took you long enough, she said, each word accompanied by cold air escaping her lips. King Ingvar was known for being rather hot-blooded, but even he felt a slight chill in the air. Did you receive my gifts? Dead men I intended to recruit, scoffed the god-king. Men unworthy of your army, replied the woman. I saved you some time. King Ingvar crossed his arms as he no longer saw a reason to prepare for battle. What did you expect to gain from this demonstration? A place beside me? With a snap of her fingers, a throne of ice appeared behind Ingvar and slid to his legs, forcing him to sit down. The woman walked slowly over to him. Have you ever heard the tale of Wince? How about the gift of Anara? Before King Ingvar could answer, the woman continued. Many years ago, a prophet named Wince summoned the four gods to Beruva. There, he tricked the gods into giving pieces of themselves as tribute to Anara. Giving a piece meant receiving something glorious in return, but therein lies the trick. The gods received nothing in return, and poor Wince became the victim of the witch goddess Aradia. A children's fable, said Ingvar, surprisingly comfortable in his new frozen throne. Get to the point. Some were found and some were slain, she continued. Some were never seen. Red and white were stabbed by green, and one appeared in fate's reign. The town of fate does seem to be rather relevant in that story. They say a woman appeared during a rainstorm on the outskirts of fate, as if she rose up from the fen seas like the mermaid goddess herself. And I'm supposed to believe you're the one in the story? What a joke. King Ingvar stood and the ice throne crumbled immediately. When Ingvar looked down at it, the woman vanished into mist, and emerged from the ice that was now on the floor, 
When she fully reformed, she bent the knee to the God King. If you want the real throne, a solitary throne, one that means you are the one true ruler of all of Fenrir, the Ice Woman looked up at Ingvar. You need me.